Third scenario here. Let's say you have a professional attorney that is under your contract, and that professional attorney provides you with prescription drugs, and you end up killing yourself. Does that attorney leave himself open for a civil suit? I debated this via email with a Birmingham lawyer about a week ago, and she wrote me an email and said, ask, you know, whether or not uh, Howard K. Stern, by giving drugs to Anna Nicole Smith, killed her. And I wrote back and I said, killed, yes, murdered, I don't know. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 75 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today joins us from Gulf Shores, Alabama. Sam and Deidre, welcome to You Are the Guest. Thank you. Thank you. Sam and Deidre, can you tell our audience about yourselves? I'll start because Sam is... um polite and let's ladies go first I, I, I didn't hear him say that i'm sorry i didn't hear him say that he didn't he pointed at me oh okay <laughs> <laughs> he um i was born in birmingham alabama and grew up in fayette alabama and migrated to new orleans to go to school and then went east to maryland and then came back south to a uh, southern alabama from uh which i have Worked and lived and played since 1989. And I, I was born in Birmingham, same as Deidre, in the same hospital that she was born in, but a little earlier than she was born, and wound up going to about six or seven different colleges, majoring in everything there was to major in until I ran out of majors and wound up in law school. Practiced in Birmingham for five years and then came down here in 1975 on the beach where I have remained ever since having a ball. And what is your connection? You guys are partners in a law firm? Correct. It's called McCarroll and Lee. And how did you get together? Well, through a third lawyer whose name is Jim Shores, um, who was a brilliant, brilliant trial attorney and uh, about a decade or two apart, he trained Sam, and then he trained me. And as a result of that, we met each other. And thus, a business is born. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And and Jim's wife uh, was one of our Supreme Court justices down here, Janie Shore. She served 24 years on the Alabama Supreme Court, and uh, she's since retired. Well, we've got some great questions for you today, and... What I want to do is I want to find your opinions uh, on a couple of uh, political issues, but also some things that are in the news and get your either your personal opinions or your professional opinions. Is that okay? Sounds exciting. Let's go for it. Okay. First question, and this is kind of a scenario. If a bartender continues to serve an inebriated customer and that customer jumps in a car and has an accident and kills himself, 
Is the bartender liable? The answer is that depends. Don't we sound like doctors? You sound like attorneys. Well, you know, (laughs) I think in most states the bartender is responsible. So if Deidre, by depends, if she meant depends on what state you're in, I agree with her. But if it depends on something else, then no. Everywhere you have what's called a Dram Shop Act, the bartender's liable. Well, let me back up and say the reason why I said that depends is a little more subtle than what Sam was thinking about. It depends on um, what the perception of the bartender, of the drinker, was along with witnesses. So if the guy, you know, was a heavy, heavy drinker and could drink a whole lot of liquor but didn't appear to be intoxicated. He used the word inebriated. So if he's inebriated, he's inebriated. Well, let's say that that wasn't determined until after he had a wreck and they did ran a tox report. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that everybody saw him in the bar. He's just loaded to the gills, right. and the bartender keeps serving him. He jumps in the car, kills himself. Then, from what I know, that the bartender would be liable for what is known as over-service, correct? Correct. Okay. Let, let, let's, let's fast forward a little bit here. If a... Celebrity such as Anna Nicole Smith goes to a bar. She's she's obviously inebriated, and the bartender continues to serve her. She then jumps in a car, kills herself. Is the bartender liable? If, if, if assuming that the facts are similar to the one you described in your um, first example, I guess the answer would be probably yes. Okay, third scenario here. Let's say you have a professional attorney that is under your contract, and that professional attorney provides you with prescription drugs, and you end up killing yourself. Does that attorney leave himself open for a civil suit? I had that. I debated this via email with a Birmingham lawyer uh, about a week ago, and she wrote me an email and said, ask, you know, whether or not uh, Howard K. Stern, by giving drugs to Anna Nicole Smith, killed her. And I wrote back and I said, killed, yes, murdered, I don't know. Because, but you specified a civil suit. Right. I'm, I, I don't know if you could prove murder or intent or anything like that. First of all, I don't think he's that smart. Uh, second of all, what will probably would happen was that because he's under a contract, definitely he runs the risk of having a civil suit. Okay, let's back up. Um, what do you mean by under contract? You mean just because he had done some legal work for and represented her with respect to her husband's estate? Well, it's, right? it, it pretty well sounded like he was on call 24-7. Right, and the issue is what he was on call for, really. I mean... I think he was more than just her attorney. Right, but... You know, there are allegations that he was her lover. There are allegations he absolutely was not her lover. Well, it wasn't wasn't allegations. That's what he said. Right. So it's not allegations if he says, we had an intimate relationship. Well, except that there other other people have come forward saying that's a lie. So I don't know the answer. I mean, as far as whether that's truth or not. Okay, but, but by admitting that, doesn't he leave himself open? To civil suit that was the that was the original question yes i mean he's he's gone up on public record and said we had an intimate relationship i was her attorney here's here's what 
what bothers me about this whole thing, and, and I, in fact, I talked to Sam about it in the same context you are uh, bringing this discussion or to this discussion, and that is this. I saw an interview or a copy of an, you know, a clip from an interview that she gave within weeks of her death, and she was absolutely out of control. I mean, she was on some kind of medication or some kind of substance that caused her to appear very intoxicated. Well, that was most of her video career. I mean, if you look at her, her past TV show, you say, okay, she's smoking something, she's drinking something, she's on something, but something just ain't right with that chick. Well, what bothered me about what I saw was Mr. Stern was sitting right next to her, right next to her, looking at her the entire time she was speaking, and I said to Sam, there's no way that man should have allowed that interview to go forward with the shape she was in. However, you know, there's been so much in the news and all over the press about all these famous people, or some of them infamous, and, and there's an issue of whether anybody could actually control the woman. You know, I mean, maybe she just said, I don't care what you think, I'm going to pop these pills when I feel like it. Well, okay, let's pretend that sitting across the desk is the guardian for the child, which is the person who is most, you know, suffers the most egregious loss because Anna Nicole Smith is dead. Uh, so they're wanting to know, you know, can we sue this guy? And my first question is, since this is a floating question, is what jurisdiction am I in? Because if I'm going to try that in Alabama, in this deeply red state down here, this in, in the reddest county, in the reddest state in the Union almost, I'm not going to do it. But in Florida, California, New York, I might try it. So because he's licensed under the California bar, and this happened in Florida, he may have left himself open to a big civil suit. He might also have left himself open to uh, some kind of bar investigation. So let's talk about that. What type of bar investigation will the California State Bar Association do with a guy that has basically done this conduct in the public eye for years? Um, I don't know because I'm not licensed to practice law in California. However, I can tell you the Alabama, you know, a little bit about the Alabama board. Well, well, give me your personal opinion. Well, Deidre sits on the grievance committee down here. Well, I have. Well, she used to. So she, you know, comes across ethics problems more than most of us do. There's an issue of professional conduct. And I assume that every bar... Uh, has rules that involve uh, requiring lawyers to conduct themselves in a professional manner. And um, once you get yourself tangled up between a client, you know, get yourself tangled up personally with a client that you're supposed to have a professional relationship, all kinds of red flags can go up and, and all Alabama, kinds of problems happen. And the Alabama bar is going to slap you for it. So when you mix up in here the fact that the lady is dead and that Mr. Stern may have had uh, been a procurer of the medicine that may have killed her. We don't even know, actually yet, her cause of death. Well, what can be said was that at Anna Nicole Smith's son's death, that there were prescription drugs with Howard K. Stern's name on it in Daniel's possession. But the kid might have been a drug addict who stole his medicine, you know? There have also been reports that when uh, the body was discovered that Howard K. Stern was seen taking drugs from Daniel's pocket and flushing them down the toilet. Yeah, well, that's, that's 
kind of incriminating. I mean, I would certainly say that's very incriminating. Yeah, exactly. So if all this comes out, and in other words, if somebody, okay, generally speaking in Alabama, the bar does not self-start an investigation. Someone files a complaint, you know, anonymously, in writing, which triggers an investigation. And sometimes they are screened out at the very front level is determined that it's without merit. It may be some allegation that, um, let's say that a lawyer yelled at a client. I mean, maybe something like that, and they just screen it out. If it's not screened out, then it's farmed out to local grievance committees if the county, particular county, has one. So in Mr. Stern's case, assuming that that's how that goes, uh, I can think of a number of people who might choose to file a complaint against him in California. Well, let me ask you this. Do you have to be a client to file that complaint? No. Well, not in Alabama. I mean, you know, the bar can, it has the power to initiate uh, an investigation on its own, particularly if the conduct of the lawyer is bringing down the whole profession. So, but to answer your other question, anybody on earth can, can file a complaint about a lawyer. And what D.J. was about to say a minute ago was that in Alabama, it is an ethics violation for a lawyer to know that another lawyer has committed an ethics violation and not reported. Here's another question. Do attorneys like Howard K. Stern get free passes from their peers? I don't, I don't think so. Hell no. Well, well, let me ask. Now, well, I mean, look, now, now, how can you say no when this type of conduct was in the public eye for years and it was on television? Well, okay, what I mean is that every time one of these guys acts this way, it brings us all down. It, it erodes our credibility. It makes our jobs harder. And uh, So why was it allowed to go on? Same reason Congress allows the war to go on. They don't have the guts to stand up and stop it. So, so in other words, they do get free passes from their peers. In the sense that nobody, nobody rush. Very few people rush to the bar and try to make something happen. But as far as having any respect or whatever from the rest of us, no, they don't. Let's back up here. What I don't know the answer to is the following. I know that Stern was with Smith at the United States Supreme Court in March of 2006. What I don't know is whether he's practiced law, actively practiced law since then. Well, he has a law office and his uh, law license. Uh, he passed the California Bar right. Association in 1994. Mm -hmm. uh, he basically had one client, and, and that was Anna Nicole Smith, which is another red flag. Right. Because if he loses her, he loses the gravy tray. Right. So, of course, he's going to be a, what I would call, a leech. Because if he loses that, he loses everything. And the other thing that, that really is, is the red flag out there is that because of the personal relationship, too, which he has admitted to in a public forum, which is fact from him, that... He could also be seen as an enabler and also be liable for the harm that she did to herself that he witnessed on under, the, on his watch, while, yes. while, uh, under his watch. Here, here's been my experience. When you hire an attorney, you, you hire that person to protect yourself. And 
there also has to be some ethical considerations there that if somebody's doing something of harm to themselves, you want to say stop. Or if you can't control them as as a professional, you want to say, you know what, I want to get away from this too. No, wait a minute now. If somebody hires me to do a job, my that that job does not extend to taking care of every aspect of their life. Like an automobile mechanic, if I hire him to fix my engine, he's not responsible for my transmission. Now, having said that, you are not supposed to have a romantic relationship with a client, period. So once he crosses that line, then almost everything he does is wrong. Right. So since he has admitted that into a public forum, and you want to go all the way back to when he first was under contract, then you can say that he was having unethical conduct, not for the last few months, but for several years. I agree with that. Next question. Is it good practice for an attorney to videotape an inebriated client at home like he did with her when she was eight months pregnant? That is so off the wall. I don't even know how to answer it. Deidre may, I'm sure, have something. I, I don't. That's crazy. I, I can't even imagine why, why one would want to memorialize an inebriated eight-month pregnant person. And then release the tape so that people now know that he did that? That's... Right, and he's her lawyer. Oh. I just think I just think that uh, the the next few months are going to be very interesting from a legal point of view about what happens to Stern, what happens to his child, what happens to the estate of Anna Nicole Smith, and what happens to the career of Judge Sidlin after he did his what what appeared to be a practice run for TV court TV. So, what did you think of that? I was embarrassed. It was ludicrous. It was absolutely ludicrous. Boy, the media, especially the entertainment media, just ate it up. Well, see, I've got this problem with with cameras in a courtroom. I think it changes the behavior of people in the worst possible manner. I do. Oh, and I I completely agree. Ever since the OJ trial, whenever you have a high-profile case, everybody's grandstanding. That's correct. And this judge took it off the chart. I mean... I, I just don't think he. I don't think he improved the image of the judiciary with his performance. I don't, I, here's what I understand about that whole saga: that he did. He took six days to do what I, if I'd been the judge, could have done in two hours, which is determine who legally, statutorily, or otherwise has the right to control the disposition of the remains of Anna Nicole Smith. That's it. I mean, it's one question. One answer. And as a matter of fact, it's not even a factual question. It's a legal question. That's you don't what I mean. need any testimony to determine that. So are they going to give him a free pass, too? Unfortunately, probably so. I don't know, because there, there should be a judicial ethics commission, just like there is a, a legal ethics commission. But, but what kind of a firestorm are they going to go up against when they say, well, gee, look, he's a media darling, and why are you picking on this guy? Well, some people think that he, his colloquialism, his nicknaming the players, you know, like Texas and Mama and whatever else he, whatever else he used to identify some of these witnesses, uh, was disarming, I guess is the right term, in that it made people relax and perhaps even made them come together, as I understood they did at the very end, walking out of the courthouse together, 
Hello now, Mama. We'll call her Mama. Uh, but now, you wouldn't do that in court. I'm sorry? You wouldn't do that in court. For example, you wouldn't even do that in church. Do what? I mean, if you, if you had a preacher or a minister up on the pulpit saying, Hey, um, hey Texas Mama, um, why don't you uh, pass the plate? No, you're right. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay, but see, here's the thing with the uh, Judicial Inquiry Commission, which is what we call it here, is that when you look at the whole trial, I can't think of a single legal error or thing he did. He's, he's just ridiculous looking, and he's eccentric. but he's, Very emotional. And very emotional, but you can't look at all of that. I, you know, I have yet to see a single ethics violation. In contrast, for example, down here, we used to have a judge who traded uh, sex for favorable divorce rulings. Well, that's, you know, obviously they found out about that and kicked him off the bench. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. That sounds interesting. Oh, it was. <laughs> okay, Sam, you're on. Uh, you know, the guy is still practicing law around here, so I really... you got to be kidding me. Well, he, you know, what he did, he did as a judge, not as a lawyer. <laughs> so he got a free pass. Well, on one level, yes. Oh, we got worse examples down here. We got one that is really frosty. Okay, tell me about that one too. <laughs> I'm okay. getting glared at. Yes, you're getting. If you could, if you had a camera on us, you would see that. Okay, I'm okay. I'll tell the story because I don't care. What I'm getting glared at. Double. I'm not going to name any names. Anyway, there's a lawyer down here practicing law. Who used to be the district attorney. Who was convicted of dealing drugs while district attorney. <laughs> Served five years in prison, came back out, applied for his law license, and got it. Now, he's retired now, but he practiced law for a while after that. As a convicted felon. And none of us can... I have no idea how that happened. Free pass. I I can tell you why. Free pass. Well, I think the, I think the view must have been he's paid his dues. You know, he served... He got a um, free pass. But it's, it's, what, what bothers me about it is what kind of example is that to people who, you know, I, I didn't really grow up wanting to be a lawyer. I sort of fell into it. Um, Same as me. And now, now, so, now, how can you say you fell into it after how many years of college did you have to take to be... Well, four years of college and then three years of law school, but the I wanted to be so a, you didn't really fall. People who fall into professions or something like, hey, do you want to be a radio announcer? Well, see, I'd love to fall into that profession. Where do we audition? You're doing it right now, and you're doing very well. Well, thank you. I've been telling her the only way we're going to get back on the radio is to buy a radio station, but she won't hear that. So, but anyway, I did fall into it in that I did. It was wasn't anything that I wanted to do. It wasn't anything that it occurred to me to do. I was straight. Straight down the line, pre-med, all the way. I wanted to be a doctor. But then when I got to be 28 years old, winding my way to that point, for some stupid reason, I thought I was too old to start medical school. And um, now that I'm a great deal older than that, in fact, double that age, um, you know, I realized how dumb that was to get off the track that I'd been on my entire life and go into this one. She's a great lawyer, though. Okay. Anyway, it outrages me. I don't care what profession it is. It outrages me. When anyone does something that brings the whole group down by their behavior, and and you just we just talked about one of them, right? But it also sounds to me like 
the people who are in charge of curtailing that by enforcing it really don't, or they're being selective. Well, it's, would, would you agree with that? That's, yeah, I absolutely agree they're being selective. I absolutely agree. There are things down here that happen that they will not touch, and then there are things that seem minor, minor to me that they slap the person up one side of the street and down the other. I don't get it. Well, here's the thing that, you know, from a public, just looking at John Q. Public, looking at us, it smacks of, you know, peers controlling peers. There's a big problem in the public perception with that in the first place. Favoritism. That's what it is. We're talking about is within the, within the peer oversight, there's inconsistency. It smacks of power without responsibility. Yeah, well, we seem to be surrounded by that now, don't we? Uh, no kidding. We're in the middle of a big old uh, blender. Uh, we're in the blender, and the people with power are mashing the button. I like that. You never said that before. Yeah, that's very good. That's because yeah. I never thought it before. But that's exactly what I feel like, that I'm in a blender, and I can't turn the, turn the thing off. Let's, let's talk about uh, some more people who have power without responsibility. The, the majority of members of Congress are attorneys. So when you look at the lawyers who are in Congress, who do you think is just maybe mm, not right as far as ethics or I, want, I don't want to say slimy, but who would just kind of make your skin crawl? I think it would be better if you ask us the other way around. I mean, in other words, I, almost all of them make my skin crawl. Okay, so who stands out? Good Lord. Let's see. Stands out. Joe Biden. No, not as a bad guy. No, as a good guy. He's talking about bad guys. Well, I thought you changed it around. No, we'll, Sorry, we'll okay. go with his question. Okay, who's a, who's, who's a well, well, that's fine. I mean, do you think, you think Joe Biden is a, a good guy? I do, and I'm sorry that he got caught... Uh, you know, his first run um, with plagiarism. I mean, that was really a shame. Okay, now now he's he's a good guy, but he's a lawyer who plagiarizes. He's not perfect. Well, you know what? He could have handled no, but, that. No, but you don't have to be perfect to be ethical. That's that's correct, but even... even his, his ego got to him. I'm not even, well, he should have just acknowledged that he did it and just kept right on going. Exactly. He should have said, hey, I like the speech. I used it. So sue me. I mean, that's what he should have said, but he acted like he'd done something wrong. I'm not sure he did anything wrong. I mean... Well, Reagan plagiarized, what, Hollywood scripts? I suppose. Well, you know, we all, if you hear something enough or something, I can't say we all, Deidre, when I read something that impresses me, because I'm not very creative... But somehow, sometimes it works its way into my brain, and then it comes out of my mouth like I thought it up. You know, it's a quote from Deidre when it really isn't. It's a quote that I read, and I, I assimilated into my way of speaking. So I'm sure I have plagiarized countless people in my lifetime. I do it deliberately, and I don't think I have any responsibility to say, that, hey, by the way, I, you know, I didn't make this up. I got it from... No, I, I think you do have a responsibility to quote... Someone, if you're quoting them, well, I'm not going. To. And, and and that's okay. But one of the the things that I have as kind of a pet peeve here, especially with politicians, is that even 30 years later, we have not learned any lessons from Richard Nixon. I in, know. In other words, if Richard, you know, they weren't even talking about uh, how do we tell the truth. They were just talking about okay, um, here's how we cover it up. Exactly. And. 
Bill Clinton fell into that trap, and Joe Biden fell into that trap. You know, looking back, Nixon looks like a saint compared to the war criminals that are up there now. Well, and, and Sam and I talk about this a lot. It makes the whole Bill Clinton thing look like a joke. I mean, for, for Congress to get involved in impeachment of Nixon and Clinton and won't even discuss doing it with what we're facing now is just, it shows how far down we have slid to me. Are you talking about impeaching Bush? I'm talking about, yes. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm not suggesting that we need to do that. Sam has a definite opinion about that, which I'm going to let him Because share. what would be the point now when we're in the last two years? It'll take two years to do it. You sound like Sam. Well, I mean, you have to be practical about it, too. Well, where was Clinton in his presidency when they revved up the blue dress? Well, then let's learn from that mistake and not do it again. Well, but the problem is... It does paralyze the country. These people, I know it does, but right. these, we, we need to do something, and that's where we're back to your question about Congress and uh, power without responsibility, and they have a responsibility to us as citizens, and they're not stepping up to the plate. You've got almost 70% of the country against the war, and Congress is unable to do anything but... Uh, un- unable or unwilling? I'm sorry? Unable or unwilling? Unwilling. Unwilling. Well, I don't know. It's unable since it's split. I've got this theory that we're never going to get the country back unless we get a third party. Because what happens with just two parties, either one is in charge or the other is in charge, and it just runs full steam ahead and you can't stop it. If you've got three parties, nobody has a majority, and they've got to compromise to run the country. But there's actually a four-party system. Let me give you my theory on that, okay? See if you agree or disagree or shoot holes through this. There's the Democrats. There's the Republicans. There is the financial lobby, and is there is the weapons lobby. Yep, I agree. But the financial lobby and the weapons lobby own most of the 535 people in Congress. Yes, right. So even if you had another political party let's say the green party just goes ballistic and they get a, a lot of people you still have to deal with the financial lobby and the weapons lobby well the way to deal with that is get rid of a little the lobbyists and the way to do that of course is to have a huge campaign you, you can't get rid of all the lobbyists because if you get rid of all the lobbyists you're also getting rid of the vfw esw the vfw is a lobby oh vfw i'm sorry yeah, the Girl Scouts of America is a lobby. I know. The Alabama Broadcasters Association is a lobby. So what you're saying is it's, it's, it's broken to the extent it can't be fixed. I'm saying that what we need to do is turn on the lights and let people see who the cockroaches are. Boy, if you could do that, you would turn this country around. Right. Knowledge is power. It is, and that's why Sam and I get so frustrated with uh, the fact that, you know, we we wish that a lot more people could get to the truth, um, you know, other than just turning on the television at night and listening to 30 minutes of news or an hour of news and or getting on the computers and going to one or two sources. And so what they get is uh, so far removed from the truth, it's ridiculous. Right. I mean... Okay, but... Okay, but that... That comes right up to the power of the Internet and the ability to jump over all these barriers that have been created by the lobbyists and the special interest and go right to the people 
like Dean did, like Obama's doing now, like, you know. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed, but last year there was an effort in Congress to try to do something to the Internet to get the little people off of it and, and, and reserve it mostly for the big corporations. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that people have to remember is that the FCC reports to Congress, and they report to Congress for a reason. And that is because if Congress doesn't like something, they can turn the screws. Exactly. Yeah, they attempted to strangle PBS in the early part of this Republican domination that started in 1992. And uh, they have, have attempted several times since. And have attempted several times since to cut off his funds. And that, all that uproar has kind of died down now. But for a while, I thought they were going to kill the whole public broadcasting system because they, they regarded it as not conservative enough. Let, let's talk about your opinions on five Democratic candidates for president and five Republican candidates. And let, let me ask you this. Do you want to maybe switch off? Do you guys want to give both of your opinions on each candidate? Whatever you think might work better. I'm, I'm just comfortable just flowing with it and seeing where it goes. Okay, here we go. Here, here's the first candidate, Joe Biden. Joe Biden was one of our very favorites until he turned into a marshmallow the day he announced for president. And he, all of his strong opinions, well, most of his strong opinions and his strong personality have been, have been dumbed down by his handlers who are making him politically correct and keeping him there, I guess, for the duration. So we're just, I'm disappointed in him somewhat. So are you saying Joe Biden is a kinder, gentler version of himself? Yeah, exactly. Mitt Romney. Well, I just got pointed at. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about him. I am, I am suspicious and, and, and reluctant to support in any way anybody that starts coming across as a very, very strong religious orientation when he's talking about the presidency of the United States. Al Gore. I like Al Gore. I think Al Gore uh, lost the last election, besides the fact that, or the 1990, whatever, I mean, 2000 election. Yeah, John, uh, John Kerry lost the last election. I'm, right. I'm talking about the one before that. Okay. 2000, or whenever it was. Um, because his handlers ruined him, much like what his handlers are doing to Joe Biden now. Because I've seen an Al Gore, or side of Al Gore, since he got out of politics and started, well, maybe not out of politics, but officially out, uh, you know, in, in his uh, Inconvenient Truths film, um, be really enthused and really fired up about something he really cares deeply about. And if if that side of him had been allowed to emerge, he would have not looked as wooden or as stick-like when in debates and other places. And I think it's a real shame that, that he paid a group a whole lot of money to make him into... Nothing. I think Al Gore lost because the independent middle didn't like his association with Bill Clinton. Oh, I'm sure the, the Clinton thing, st you know, hurt him. That cost him a ton of votes, and since it was so close, it cost him the election. I mean, it, I mean, it's one of several things that cost him votes, but that was a big one. Newt Gingrich. Oh, uh, don't like him. I... Uh, 
he's he's scary. He's scary. He's a, you know all ideologues scare me, and uh, he's he is the self-proclaimed architect of the 1992 Republican victory. Um, I you know he's he's I understand he's threatening to run for Congress. I mean, I mean, run for president or discussing. Well, maybe I'll do it. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I think he's so far down the list of potential candidates, and he's got so many negatives. I don't really think he's a viable candidate. Oh, right now in the polls on the Republican side, he's number three. Is he really? Yeah. Well, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to Republicans. Well, who who are one and two? McCain and oh, Giuliani maybe. Giuliani's number one. Um, McCain's two. Followed by Newt. Wow. Well, uh, I don't like that lineup at all, one, two, and three. No, but of the three, I prefer Newt over the other two. Oh, I'd pick Giuliani over Newt. Let, let's shift over to the Democrats. Barack Obama. I like him, but I'm, again, worried about his turning into a mush pile. Um, he was much fierier prior to announcing, and now he seems to have neutralized himself, I guess, to be more appealing to across the board, you know? I like him a lot. I think that, uh, uh, quite frankly, I wish it would be Edwards and, and Obama in that order. Sam, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I, I have seen the same, you know, softening of, of Obama. Uh, I, I've, I've never sat and heard him speak. I've never watched a whole lot of his speeches, but somebody on MSNBC last night could have been Oberman referred to him as I mean, he said something like, there hasn't been a political speecher, speecher, speech maker in the United States since John Kennedy that, that, that is as powerful on, on the podium. So, that what I heard last night in that regard made me you know, resolve to watch him the next time I have an opportunity because if he can galvanize people in, in, in speeches like that, uh, he he may turn in, out to be a great candidate. I you know, uh, on the other hand, he's got you know the obvious problem um, in you know in that the color he is, and that means a whole you know that means a lot to a lot of people in this country. Well, let me ask you this: Would you, as a as somebody that's in the profession, if you had an attorney that was only practicing law for three years? Would you say, hey, you know, they belong on the Alabama Supreme Court? I tell you what, I think he. Okay, I, I think he needs more seasoning. I sure do. Yeah, I, I think I think he needs a lot more seasoning. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I do. Which is why I would like him to be in the second slot, vice president, so he can get some seasoning. I don't know. That's 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 too close. That's a heartbeat away. The Senate is. I mean, I mean, he can stay where he is for I think another, most of another term. But that's just me. John McCain. John McCain. John McCain is a clone of Doctor Strangelove. <laughs> is dangerous. He. I was. I was in my barber's chair last week, and he said, "Mr. Sam." He said, "This John McCain." He said, "I've got a brother who was a prisoner in Vietnam, and I love my brother, but I would not vote for him for dog catcher because that experience as prisoner." did something to him, and he came back way different than my brother that went over there. And he said, I just, he said I'm absolutely certain that McCain has some kind of condition 
you know, in his mind because of what he went through over there. Now, you know, moving on from that, he is the consummate chameleon. He's all over the map. He's also one of the richest men in Congress, too. I'm sorry? He's also one of the richest men in Congress. Well, you know, I wonder how that happened. Yeah, he's worth like $30 million. I I had no idea. All I know is that, that... that To me, that has more... That will affect somebody more than being a prisoner in Vietnam. You mean as far as as far as failure to be able to identify with the little people? Absolutely. Now, isolated and surrounded by power and wealth for years will do much more damage to your head than being, I think, uh, in a prison. Well, all I know is that that may explain some of the Bush problem. Well, you know, where they are right now, I mean, the soldiers that are dying over there and, and the Iraqis who are dying over there, I mean, it's like Pac-Man. I mean, I mean, it's like things on a TV screen. They're just, they don't mean anything to these people. I, don't, I mean, apparently they don't. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> oh, boy. Hillary Clinton is uh, clearly intelligent. She's clearly worked hard to position herself. She's got a huge amount of money behind her. She, I, I read with amusement an article this morning about uh, how how Obama has managed to get the knives out when he had to, when he was attacked for by the Hillary camp for uh, David Geffen's having been quoted as saying something like, Hillary Clinton is over-scripted and over-produced. But she is. Well, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I, I don't want her to get this nomination. I wish she wouldn't do it. I think she's going to actually cause the Democrats maybe to lose. If she's a nominee, I think there's a huge chance that whoever the Republican is is going to get it. Right, and there's a huge amount of inertia in her campaign that, that is just, you know, because of the way the system works, it seems almost impossible to stop her from getting nominated, considering the money and the head start she's got and all like that. And she's going to have to trip over something in order to get knocked off. And I don't know, I don't, you know, she's apparently it's gonna be the early primaries. Yeah, right now she's number one by a mile. Yes. Yeah, and and, and, and that's distressing because I think it, it, you know, it, it, it will kick the Republican candidate into the White House if, if she's nominated. Indeed, we think so, too. Rudy Giuliani. I like him more than Sam does. I mean, I would, I would be more comfortable with him getting in the White House as opposed to McCain or Newt. He's a mayor. He has no experience foreign policy, Washington, whatever. He's he's a he's a prosecutor and a mayor. He's a lawyer. And he yeah, he's a lawyer. But I you know, I, I don't think he's I mean I put him in the in 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 the inexperienced category of Obama, of of Obama. I don't think he'll get it anyway. He's got uh, too much baggage. John Edwards He's my fave. <laughs> I think he looks like a kid. I don't care what he looks like. I care about what's in the man's heart. I think he's a straight shooter. I think he's, despite his wealth, he's the one I admire the most as far as a lawyer goes. He knows how to speak to poor people. He cares about poor people. He's actually trying to get something done for poor people. He's like, he reminds me of Jimmy Carter. Like what? What has he done for poor people? He's really, it, my understanding is that one of his, he's, he really wants everyone to have health care. I, I know what he wants, but name something he's done for poor people. 
I don't know what he's done for poor people. Nobody knows what he's done for poor people. Talks nice about poor people. Well, he also spends a lot of time, or he has, and I don't know if that was a pre-presidential bid posturing thing, but he's traveled a great deal over the last several years to small towns talking to people, which is more than a lot of these people do. They don't know what regular people think. But what has he done? I don't know. Right. Nobody knows. See that? And that's, 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 I think he's a great communicator, but once you, once you strip off the veneer, it's like, okay, so what have you done other than talk to people? Oh, you, you had a chance in the Senate to do something. What did you do with that time while you were on the Senate besides campaign? All right. Well, then if, if that's the criteria, um, of, you know, like, what have they done? If you if you look at what have they done, then that would leave, to me, Al Gore far and away the best, the front runner, because of his movie. Because just because of the movie? Well, the movie is is to me that's a huge thing that he did to take the time to create that to try to raise public awareness about global warming, which certain people still deny is even happening. Do you know that they? Uh, Whoever whoever made the movies. Anyway, he offered free copies to something like 50,000 schools in this country, and guess what? They turned him down. You know what? That I'm okay with that because you can rent the movie. Kids can rent the movie for a buck. Yeah, but how many of them will? I mean, it's not exciting. People don't die in the thing. You know, it's not, it's not an action film. It's not filled with sex. Here's my thing with Al Gore. He is the ultimate Washington insider. He comes from a a family of Washington insiders that rivals the Kennedys. And he was basically groomed from birth to be president of the United States. As was President Bush, all the way from Texas. Absolutely. And what a mistake that was. But what were our choices? Uh, back then, we had, we had Kerry and we had Gore. Well, we had, we had bad and we had worse. I'm sorry? Bad or worse. Those were our choices. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good time to to pull the lever on the ballot. Right, and we may be looking at that for 2008. Here's the next candidate and final candidate, Duncan Hunter. Who the hell is Duncan Hunter? <laughs> uh, really, I don't know who that is. Enough said there. Sam and Deidre, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where we're going to turn the microphone over to you, and you get to ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. What, in your opinion, are the three most serious things wrong with the world, and what would you do to remedy them? Now, are you talking about political issues or social issues or what? Any issues. I think the three things would be ignorance, famine, and violence. And I think the, on, the only thing that you could have control over would be famine. And, and yet, because of political boundaries, that's hard to do. Ignorance, you could do that by education. Hopefully, that would also alleviate maybe famine or violence. But uh, those things have been around for years. And I don't know if my ideas uh, would be able to oh, uh, solve them at all. Because there have, there are greater men and women who have lived that have tried to do that that, that haven't been able to do it themselves. So I, I don't know if I have any answers. How, how about for yourself? What are your three? Poverty, war, and illness. Sam? Uh, I've, 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 I've got kind of an off-the-wall 
thing that bothers me the most that is totally politically incorrect. And it's based on the fact that when I look around at all the wars that go back for millennia, a huge, ridiculous proportion of those wars are based on religion. And that just really bothers me tremendously. And I'm, I'm not anti-religion. I'm not an atheist. But I don't get that. And I would like somebody to solve that riddle. I mean, the Muslims, for example, have been killing each other since Mohammed was still warm in his grave. They split into Shiites and Sunnis a month or two after he died. And they've been killing each other ever since. They have killed Christians. Christians have killed Muslims. Uh, Christians have killed Christians. Christians have killed Christians. I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. That bothers me. I would like that riddle to be solved. What's question number two? It's Sam's. Is it my question? Is it my turn? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Why is there not in this country a more universal outrage? against the war and the continuation of the war and us not being able to get out of the war. It is because the vast majority of Americans are time poor and they're too busy to look at that particular issue. In other words, they're so busy getting the kids off to the next soccer game, picking the kids up, doing this, doing other things in their lives that politically they just don't have the time or it's just not on the top of mind awareness. Right, and I heard the answer, you know, I heard a really good answer to this last night. Again, which is similar to yours. Which is similar to yours, and, it, and it's like this. This guy, and it, it, was, it was either Oberman, probably Oberman. What he said was, in 1940, this country made something like umpty, I forget the number, umpty, umpty million or umpty, umpty hundred thousand automobiles. In 1942... They made about three or four hundred automobiles, while at the same time they were turning out twin-engine bombers in Michigan at the rate of one every 63 minutes. We were all focused on that war. We had ration tickets. This war is invisible. They hide the caskets. They 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 spin it ridiculously. They they claim that, for example, Blair. Leaving uh, is a good thing when it's a bad thing, and there's it, it's just not brought home to to very many people. Just wh whoever is related to these three thousand people who are dead, it's been brought home to them. But there's that there's hundreds of millions of us that it has never touched. It goes back to my theory of turning on the lights and seeing the cockroaches. Exactly. What's question number three? If you knew that you were going to be exiled for life to a location that had no people, but you were provided with food, shelter, and clothing, what three things would you take with you that can't be humans and can't be electronics? I tell you what, you know, I'm, I mean, I just really got my feelings hurt. You know what she would do? She would take her three dogs, which leaves me out. <laughs> can't take a human, Sam. Anyway. So now it's up to Mr. Bill. Okay. The, the question is I can take three things. 
correct. And it can't be electronics. Right. And it can't be humans. Correct. And you don't have to worry about food, shelter, or clothing. And I'm going to be exiled for life. Correct. I'm going to take my family pictures. I'm going to take my books. I'm going to take my cat. <laughs> okay. I love that answer. In fact, my first, the first thought that occurred to me was uh, my pictures. But then I thought, wait a minute, that's plural. Plural. And so you only can take one book, Mr. Bill. I can't take my family picture album. Okay, that's one <laughs> item. <laughs> You're going to get a big old album the size of a trunk. And what about what about one book? What would that one book be? The Bible. Yep. Right on. And the cat. Well, I'm so glad that you're an animal lover. What's the cat's name? Her name is Sophie. Sophie. A- and she is a uh, 100% tortie. What is that? That's a tortoise tortoiseshell cat. Oh, tortoiseshell. Which is uh, a, a genetic condition. Yes, there are no male torties. Or they're, or they're very rare, but they're but they're also in many cultures good luck. Yes. And so far, she's brought me very good luck. I swear, this is a true story. I wanted a calico cat one time. Okay, just really, really bad, and I couldn't find one. And I and and I I don't know why I just saw a picture of them. I thought they were real pretty. One day, at the back of my garage, out in my backyard, there appeared two tiny calico kittens. I have no idea where they came from, but we but we brought them in, named one Princess, one Matilda, and they grew up, and they were just really neat cats. I like attorneys who are animal lovers. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, we we deal with people so much that we've only got animals left to love. <laughs> the people we deal with are sometimes un- difficult to love and very unlovable. Yes. Sam and Deidre, do you want to tell about your show and how people can tune in and listen? That's very kind of you. Go ahead, Sam. Well, it's called The Sam and Deidre Show, and it's found at the Sam and www.samanddeidreshow.com. And if you go there, you'll find our pictures and a little bit about us. And, uh, and uh, an archive of maybe the last hundred, close to a hundred podcasts, and they're about an hour long. Surely there aren't that many. Yes, on there. there are. Really? And my stellar summaries of what the shows are about. Right, which I don't do because I'm lazy. But anyway, what we do, we talk about politics, and we don't agree. And so when we don't agree, we insult each other and yell at each other, and yell at each other, and that makes it fun. Not uh, only politics, though. Well, it's not only politics. It's whatever that I can see. I, I look at my laptop during the whole time, and I find stuff on there like News of the Weird and things like that, and so we'll be into something real serious, and then I'll find something utterly stupid to break the to break the tension with. And so we have a lot of fun, and we got two fans, and they love us to death. <laughs> well, you were a lot of fun here, and you've got another fan, so hopefully we can send a few more fans your way as well. Well, we really appreciate the opportunity, Bill, and um, it, you know, stay in touch with us. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. I really did. Sam and Deidre, thank you so much for being our guest this week on You Are the Guest. Thanks for having us. If you'd like to be a guest, it's real easy to find out how. Just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com and click Be the Guest for all the details. That concludes this week's edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. 
I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.